0: Um, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, welcome Charlotte Fellows. Good to have you guys um, joining our congregation for the next three months, and if you've been to uptown or hope church, um, I want to prepare you. Our church lasts longer, and our scripture readings are longer, but it's better. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I said it. Are we recording this? Um, I don't want Tom and Mark mad at me, Um, but um, welcome. Uh, We normally would have um, the same person who prayed do the scripture reading, but this week I'm going to read it um, as we continue to go through Ezra and then Nehemiah. We're in Nehemiah now. Uh, I want us to better visualize what is going on and connect the dots. When I read this chapter the first time through, I said, why? We shouldn't do this. Let's skip over this. Just a bunch of names and a bunch of people building with a bunch of bricks and stuff. But what I want to do is um, I want you to be able to connect the dots, and in this case, the wall, the, the gates of the wall that Nehemiah came to Jerusalem to repair and to lead the repair and rebuilding of. And so as you, you have a diagram in your bulletin, and I've done this twice having diagrams. I'm not one of these, you know, on the PowerPoint screen diagram people. Um, but I want you to see this so you can be embraced by what is going on, and I'm visual and As I was reading and studying the scripture, I had that map out looking at it myself as I was going through. Now, this is not the most descriptive map you'll find. Um, And there's some name. There's the inspection gate is also called the muster gate in your scripture. So just pay attention to that. Now, what I want you to do is start at the sheep gate, which is at the north side of the wall there in your bulletin. And as I read through, I'm not going to get these names, these Hebrew uh, names right. Um, I'm going to move real quickly through them so it sounds like I'm getting right. And then I'm, we're going to go counterclockwise, gate to gate to gate to gate, and then we're going to end again at the sheep gate. So let's start at the sheep gate, and then you'll understand why Nehemiah, Nehemiah is walking around or, or has walked around and describing what's going on. Then Scripture starts Chapter 3, verse 1. Then Eliezer, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Haniel. Next to him, the men of Jericho built. Next to them, Zekorah, the son of Emri, built. The sons of Hasanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hazak, repaired. Hekaz repaired, and next to them, Mishalam and the son of Berechiah, son of Beshazzebo repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Joiada, the son of Pesiah, and, and Mishalam, the son of Besidiah, repaired the gate of Yeshana, or the, um, the old gate you have in there. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repelled Melatiah the Gibeonite and Jadon the Maronite, the men of Gibeon and of Mitzbah, the seat of the governor of province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel the son of Hariah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Raphiah the son of Hur, ruler of half of the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Haramapha, uh, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hatash the son of Hashbanah, repaired. Malachijah, the son of Haram. And Hashab, the son of Mahath-Moab, repaired another section. And, and the tower of the ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahesh, repaired, uh, ruler of half of the district of Jerusalem, repaired. And he and his daughters... Hanan and the inhabitants of Zonanai repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malkajah, the son of Richab, uh, ruler of the district of Bet Hasharim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its walls and its bars. And Shelem, the son of Kol Hose, ruler of the district of Mitzbah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah and the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. So on the south side of inside the wall is where the king's area was. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbach ruler of the half-district of Beth-Zor, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired. Rehum, the son of Benai, next them hashbi ruler of the half-district of Kala, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Bavai, the son of Hanadad, ruler of the half-district of Kala, Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mitzvah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory of the buttress. And him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Elishab, the, the high priest. And after him, Miramoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hagaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishab to the end of the house of Eliashim. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding era, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hesha repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Messiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benai, the son of Hanadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress. And to the corner, Palal, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress. And the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Badiah, the son of Parash, and the temple servants living on Ophiel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. After him, the Teokites repaired another section opposite the great projecting wall as far as the wall of Ophiel. Above the horse gate... The priest repaired each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok the son of Ammihud repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah the son of Shecaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the son of Zalaph repaired another section. After him, Mishalem, the, the son of Berakiah, repaired opposite his changer. After him, Malachiah, uh, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants. And of the merchants, opposite the muster gate, or in your thing, the inspection gate, into the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths, and the merchants repaired. You see where I almost skipped it? There'll be a test on those names when we're done. Many of the Israelites at this point had forgotten and thought it not necessary for their relationship with God to have a wall built. And add to that that the world around them despise the concept of walls. And our world today is not much different. It is considered bad, dangerous, rightly in so many ways to put walls around and between people. Racism and sexism and classism, all the bad-isms and all the political and social ignorance and oppressions survive because of walls. Visible walls, invisible walls. But the world doesn't get what God is doing. We must recognize there are bad walls and good walls. And this wall, according to what it meant back then and represents now, is a good wall. Good because this wall and its gates and its rebuilding, they are a description. They are an analogy of how our relationship with God works and survives in this world. It is safe to say that the wall builds God's people as and as much as they build it. And it teaches us three things I want us to pay attention to today. This wall teaches us that God is calling us to structure. That secondly, God is using our diversity... And through it, God is creating unity, structure, diversity, unity. The wall around the holy city, Jerusalem, is broken down. It's weakened, neglected from war and apathy and lack of use. Nehemiah recognizes what we must today, that God's people need structure around them and that they can be a part of like this wall here. This wall structure stood for and, and provided and, and pointed to God's security, spiritual and physical care, and hold on the lives of his people. Understand without the presence of a wall, God's people were bound for confusion. These walls provided a contour, a, a guidance for, for how to navigate their lives. The, the walls pr- protected them by keeping out enemies and, and false beliefs from coming in. The wall with its gates that, that could be locked from the inside and outside made sure God's people were coming and going into their outside world with accountability, with, with oversight, with care. The wall and the gates were instrumental in helping God's people worship well and safe with gates, uh, worship well and safely, with with gates for sacrificial lambs and and inspections near the temple worship area to make sure the right things and right people were coming in, as it mentions people, individuals' homes here. The the wall provided protection for homes and families and, and livelihoods from evil influence. Take, for example, the dung gate. It helped and guided. Is exactly what it is. It is the city dump. And it helped and guided God's people to keep their community and lives free from stench and, and refuse. And, and also as the place, the carcasses from the sacrifices went, to be able to leave the condemnation of their sins behind them. And the water in a fountain gate get, to get fresh water and refreshment and cleansed lives. I don't know whether some of your analytical minds have picked up on it yet, but the wall with its gates represents the God-given structures of the faith designed to surround and guide and keep all of our lives in the faith and faithful to him as we go out into and live in this world every day. I know it is popular today as it was back then to consider true freedom not being bound, vowed, beholden, or committed to any administration, order, or structure, especially religious structures. And so there is this fear uh, in our world of cult-like control or of quenching the, the spirit of God and letting it be free if a church like ours is heavily structured. But it is not good to be in a place, but let me say, but is it not good, rather, to be in a place like ours with its Presbyterian, not the only way you could do government rule. There are other churches, this is just one form of structure that God uses, we're no better than anybody else. But isn't it good to be in a place like ours with its Presbyterian elder ruled, Presbyterian regulated, pretty tight, theologically inspection heavy, theological gatekeeping mentality? Like how hard they grilled me to become a pastor. I just want to preach the word. To be in this denomination, to make sure no theological foolishness or craziness is preached and taught, and so I wouldn't be allowed to become or stay some cultic personality or crazed leader. Isn't it good that your elders and deacons went through a 12 week class and interviews and exams before they came into these church walls as leaders? According to the walls we see at DMI and what they meant, is it, isn't it good that, that we have church membership with, with doors that lock on both sides where, where we ask you to, to not feel free to leave when and how you want to, but be accountable for what is going on in your lives and, and where you have to be interviewed with, with vows and officially by elders along with members and then confronted if you are going out into this world or living in this world that you shouldn't and worshiping how and what you shouldn't. Isn't it good to have community groups and and new members classes and and premarital counseling and, 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 and man, the administration of our church with its staff and bookkeepers and and money management and church databases and, and, and parishes, and some of you just love when I mention that kind of stuff. And yes, you don't have to look much further than your worship liturgy that you have in your hands to see this. God, like he did with these gates and walls, works through church worship structure. And he's blueprinted for us, your leaders. They put a wall because it is through the structures of the church with its word, its sacraments, and its disciplines that you are actually free to be and become who God would have you to be. Our mission statement for Christ Central And being a part of our church is this freeing people to enjoy God. Hear his truth. Form authentic relationships and face the world with the renewed dignity that comes from Christ. We believe for you to not be in the walls of a church. It don't have to be this church. A church of a structure somewhere is to risk being lost. To risk being spiritually vandalized. And contrary to the world's definition of freedom, taken and easily led astray and possibly enslaved by the world by letting things in your heart and life and mind that you can't and shouldn't handle alone. But to be be in a wall. In a protected community, in a place where your family and life can be shaped and guided with the most spiritual safety, be cared for, there is less freedom to deal with and connect with your world without a wall, a structure of faith. And this structure, though it has leadership associated with its happening and doing, is not just the job of leadership of one or one kind of person. God calls us like them to a diversity in the faith. Now, I don't have to go through all those names. Y'all heard enough names. And you heard enough little nuances to realize I mean, just look at who is building the wall. Now, remember, that this is a capital city. And the holy city's walls. And, and so people are coming from surrounding towns and villages and, and tribes and, and all kinds of places to rebuild this wall. Let, let's look at just some of who Nehemiah mentions to get the point here. In verse 1, we see that a priest is building. Then in verse 5, it talks about a noble's not willing to bow to their Lord. These are people who are opposed to Nehemiah's political alliances. And then in verse 8, it it talks about the middle and working in merchant classes. They're doing their building. And then in verse 9, you have government workers. And then this curious thing in verse 12, and I'm going to read it. If I can find it. Next to him, Shalom, the, the son of Halahesh, the ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired. He... And his daughters. Now, there's some interpretation going on in different commentaries, and th- there was one or two, that, just one actually, that I read that said daughters refer to the districts that he was over, like, like a daughter city or a daughter church, a daughter district. But most of the commentaries say we take it at face value. This man built a wall with his daughters. And back then, I mean, more than even now, this was the most non-traditional family structure you can have. So guess who's in God's kingdom? People who don't have the traditional family structure. And then in verse 14, you have a large group of people who repair a huge part of the wall, right? Obviously a super working class because of the expense of the work they did. And then in verse 17, you have church leaders and then the servant class, if you will, in verse 26. And then goldsmiths in verse 31. I just mentioned a few distinctions here. And each of these people groups have different interests. Some of the walls faced their homes that they worked on or places of business. The merchants repaired near where they did their main work and the temple servants where they lived. And then some people did what it took to make sure their homes were protected. They were diverse politically and socially and economically, job-wise, shareability in certain areas. And it was their diversity God used to get the full scope of his work done. As each did their part, as each brought into this task a vision God had for their part of the wall. God used his God-given diversity given to human beings to accomplish his good purpose to be good for the whole group. And it is true for those who are his people today. God has allowed us to come from different cultures, different socioeconomic groups, different neighborhoods, different church backgrounds, and in this church, different ethnic groups with a multitude of God-giving experiences. God has allowed your heart to bend and be focused in a way and in 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 a direction that others may not be. He has allowed some of us to be in number, the dominant group, and others in number, the minority group. God has given us one mother, some of us one mother, and no dad around, and one dad, and no mother around. Some have been raised by many people. Some of us have been adopted. Others have the so-called traditional family, maybe with traditional values or not. Some of us have experienced valleys and, and hardships and maybe going through some stuff right now in ways some others are not Some of us are are in a stage of life where we are consumed with children and babies and being safe and minivans and and SUVs and all kind of stuff and and others with finding and making and building a career while others are are thinking retirement and others are getting married. And and, and some of y'all are just fighting to stay married, right? We have not all been allowed to bear the same scars from history. In fact, it is possible that we have been through the same thing, but it affected us differently. Some of us are holy and sanctified in one way, in one area, and struggling in another. Some of us are good at money, and others are better at family. Some of us lust for sex, some for success. Some of us can't even begin to see and understand the experiences of others and, and how they've been allowed and made by God to experience and see it. Some of us have friends and close relationships in the church than outside the church. And some of our closest relationships for some of us are outside the church more than in the church. Some of us are outgoing. Some of us are shy. Some of us are highly educated. Some of us are skilled at one or two things. Some feel more connected at church than others. And some believe that others are more connected than they are. If you look at the history of these tribes, that's exactly what's going on. Some feel like they are the in crowd. Some feel like the out crowd. I mean, diversity sounds synonymous with disaster and confusion. But what we learn here is that as each person contributes according to what God has given them in line with their brothers and sisters, God's good wall around us is completed. And in a perfectly diverse community, not one area is left breached. You know what the key words are in this passage that is easy to overlook and emphasizes the good diversity can do when it is properly used? The words In this passage that are continually repeated, next to. It's all through the passage, next to. So-and-so was next to. This group was next to. The son of so-and-so was next to this one. Which means this. If we all had the same experiences and same God-given commitments are in the same place spiritually all the time, there would be nothing happening next to us. If we were always, as we are very guilty of doing, looking at and being jealous of, and standing back and staring at what God is doing with somebody else, then you will not take your place next to them and be helpful to the whole. The success of the wall was Largely based on the fact that there was somebody different than you who was next to you. That the thing you were building, again, some people are building walls in front of their own homes, in front of their own businesses, that if that person was consumed with being you or being exactly in the place you were or doing the same kind of gifting you were, then guess what? You would be insecure in the thing that you were building. Fewer Jesuses, I don't care what God has allowed you to experience or not experience. I don't care how much you are struggling in a certain area of your life. No one has it all, and no one can do it all. No one can build and be a faith unto themselves. No one can be faithful and stay faithful and know the love of God like they should unless someone, not in the same place as they are, is taking their place next to you and next to y'all. Where are you? Some of us are simply watching others and moping because of where they live and who they get to hang out with and we don't. And what they have, and what part of the wall they get to work on, and we don't, or, or, or and we don't, or, or too busy judging and inspecting in a way that God's not called us to. Some of us are, are waiting for our lives. Get this: to be what the people down the line are like, so we can do what they're doing, instead of focusing on where God has us and how He's building our faith right where we are. You know what happens in a church like ours? A diverse church that it was cool to talk about and plant until you get into it. You begin to believe that there is an in crowd, because it's diverse. Forget skin color. Socioeconomically, neighborhoods, marriage states, whatever it is, right? Okay, in the history of Christ Central Church, it used to be the 28205ers were the end crowd. Then the cool, edgy signals at one point. And then it became the officers of the church when the were officers were the in crowd. And then it was the married folks. And then after that, the child-having group. And at one time, it was the artists and musicians and then the corporate people. And it goes on and on and on based on your limited perspective. I've said this before. Please show me where the in group is. I'm the pastor and I feel like there's an in crowd I'm not a part of. In fact, there's like four or five of them. I want to be like y'all. I want to be in your group. But God hasn't called me to be in your group. He hasn't called me to the faith struggles and work. Hear this, work that you are called to, but he's called me to what I'm called to so he can properly do his work in you. You know, we fail to realize God is at work through you right where you are. When we are building a wall of faith and God is building it in us, there is no one on the outside and everyone is on the inside. Now, there may be more people on one length of the wall, but your role and place in God's kingdom and church is no less important. Plain and simple, get in where God has made your life to fit in. Every single person in this room should be somewhere with someone or on something to secure and help the structures and substance of the faith. You'll waste time wondering if you're good enough. You'll waste time wondering if you're in the in crowd. You'll waste time fainting and moping and worrying and being anxious about how everybody is and you aren't. When there's a wall of faith, God is building through you right there. I get this, not just for you. Again, for the people you think are great. They need your wall. And the miracle of the church, the miracle of the wall of diverse people is that God creates unity of faith through it. How does this happen? God puts us together, needing and giving the same stuff regardless of where where we are on the wall, to make faith work. Look with me at verse 13, 14, and 15. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malachijah the son of Richab, um, ruler of the district of Beth-Hasherim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of ruled over ruler of the district of Mitzvah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. You know what's interesting? As I look at the description of three gates built in a row, it's the same stuff and the same process for three different gates with three different fun- functions by three different people groups. Right? But, but also look at verse 2 through 5 quickly with me again. Next to him, the men of Jericho built. Next to them's occurred, the son of emri built. The sons of Hesani built the fish gate. They laid its beam and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Mishalem, the son of Berach. Beric- Berachiah, son of uh, Beshlebel, repaired, and then next to them, Zadok, son of Bana, repaired, and next to them, the Toktikirites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Look, they are either building. What isn't there are repairing what is halfway there. But at any and all lengths of the wall, for those building or repairing on the west side, to those building or repairing on the east side, they're only using, they're only using one, get this, one set of materials that Nehemiah gave them from the king. No one had their own type of bricks or type of wall, or it wouldn't have connected you know what's frustrating? You ever had somebody give you some Legos and there's Duplo blocks in there too? That is frustrating. Because Legos go together like the little mini ones and then they put the Duplo blocks in there. It don't fit. They look like they fit. They're the same kind of, you know, colors and all kinds. They got the little rivets on it. But when you try to put a Duplo block with a Lego block, it's frustrating. That's my world because I don't, I don't know how to do masonry and anything. I'm not one of those real men like that. I'm a Lego guy. (laughs) But the point is, unless it's the same stuff, regardless of where they work, it wouldn't have created a wall. What did God do in creating unity in a diversity of why and where and what stage they were in life and where they were building and why they were building it? They use the same Stuff And further, get this about the gates. It's funny you don't see two sheep, sheep gates. You know, we live on the south side of town. Can we put a sheep gate over here? Or, or it's too far for me to drive. Can we have a dung gate on the northeast side of town or the northwest? No! It is interesting here that everyone, regardless of who they are, what part of the wall, the gate they worked on, must use the same God-given gate for the function of their faith. It reminds me of the scripture in the New Testament. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One sheep gate, one dung gate, one valley gate, (laughs) The the functions of our faith are through one process that God is taking many different kinds of people through. What is the Bible teaching us here? To live this life in the Lord, we all use the same material, the same stuff of the faith, the same gateways to God's help and power and grace. There is but one spirit in all of us, and that spirit unites us in the stuff of the gospel. The apostle Paul, hundreds of years after Nehemiah, would declare that he would declare that he was not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believed, the Jew and the Gentile. And and let me add what the Bible teaches well. For all we do, for all we are, and all of our experiences, one gospel— One power, one spiritual material stuff that God has given us to work in all, for all, for whatever you're dealing with. What does the family man need? And the young single guy need? And the bohemian woman? And and what is the stuff of their lives? The same thing the gospel. The, the, they are broken, desperate saints and sinners, and Jesus the Savior and Redeemer, broken, desperate saints and sinners that he has made is. And whether you're working in this church to build a wall around family, because that's what you're co- concentrated on, or work, or marriage, or singleness, or urban renewal, or finances, or elderly, or racial reconciliation, or women's rights, or immigration rights, or adoption, or your struggle is money, purity, consistency, relations, business, loneliness, depression, the bricks of your faith that you are given to build, the, the The way you get helpful wherever and whoever you are or aren't is the one gospel. It applies and goes and works for everyone, everywhere. You know what? As, As this wall comes together, it's actually declaring. It's actually declaring this no one on it or in it has it together. That's why we build our faith. Everyone here needs this wall for their life. The wall in its works teaches us that our lives are broken and we need, we we are desperate just like you down on that part of the wall. My and our lives are alone in this world with our God and these bricks, these gates, the gospel says and empowers me to believe that God alone is my salvation and my strength, not who I am and who you are and who you are and how I'm not like you, but only who God is. And these bricks are that unified statement in peace and material of God's grace. Our stories of faith and salvation fit together like bricks on a wall because our testimonies have the real same substance. If there is no real connection, let me tell y'all about connection and friendship in church. Okay, let me do a teaching real quick. I've been kind of dealing with this because Nehemiah has a lot to do with working together. We've been struggling a lot with people feeling I don't feel connected. There's so much change going on at Christ Central. There's transition, people leaving, people coming, all kind of stuff. God never promised. I don't know what evangelical movement or church group promised that in God's church there would be connection because you just get along with the person. Or you had the same affinity, right? You had the, you had the, you had the same, you both like to do the same things. This ain't a fraternity or sorority. is the body of Christ. Well, you know, some of my best friends outside the church, good. I'm happy for you. Go hang out with them. Grill a burger. Oh, good. Share one. We get connected through the testimonies of what Jesus has done for us. If you're trying to get connected by less than that, you will be disappointed. Some of y'all will not like being my friend. Most of you, and I don't necessarily like some of y'all like that. Right, I love y'all, but I don't. I don't always want to hang out with y'all. We don't have the same taste. Some of y'all don't want to play Battlefield Three with me. That's all right. You might think something's wrong with me. Hey, y'all want to hang out today? What you doing tonight, Pastor Brown? Playing Battlefield Three on PS Three. You want to join in? No, nah, I don't like that. Well, when we're not connected, you know, I. I don't like Battlefield 3, so I'm leaving Christ Central. Testimony of faith. Okay, I'm going long in that because here come the kids. Okay. But (laughs) kids, man, look at these little kids. Anyway, um, (laughs) I guess they create the diversity too. Now, y'all don't make no noise. Like they got a part of the wall. Their wall across the street. No, I'm kidding. But, um, but understand there's no real connection unless we share in the salvation and lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me run through this quickly. If we, let's look at verse 5 one more time and then I'm going to close with this. And the Bible says, "And next to them the Ticorites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. The nobles... We're not a part of community. Why? They refuse to have the same Lord. They refuse to obey their Lord Jesus. They refuse to have Jesus. I already jumped to that point. It was Nehemiah at that point. (laughs) To be their leader. Unity is destroyed. If anything except Jesus is your Lord... If you bow to anything except him, there will be disunity in the body, even though God's called us to diversity. Let me give you an example. The year is 2008. And then 2012. Why, what's, what's important about those dates? Anybody know? It was the election years. And we had a president elected. Our president, Barack Obama. I have not seen more division in churches than over the last two election cycles. I'm not telling y'all who I vote for. You'd be surprised. But I'm going to say this. When politics becomes our Lord, Jesus takes second place and we're no longer unified. when anything becomes our Lord. And I'm telling you, relationships between churches in the same denomination, in the same city, were destroyed over how people chose to vote and who they voted for. And they made the Lord how you voted, not the Lord Jesus redeeming, Whoever we put in office and whatever this country would mean. And that's a real problem. Again, it doesn't have to be politics. It could be how you raise your children and how you spend your money. And yes, we're going to work toward biblically seeing what God is saying. But to reject and deny unity over something else not being Lord Jesus is a problem. Humility. I love that word, they're nobility humility. You don't have it together. So you better bow to Jesus, your Lord. You don't, you're not a nobility when it comes to being a believer. You might have a noble status in the world, but before Jesus, we are humble people who don't have it all. You can't be so sure about an issue outside of the Bible that you make it what the Lord is saying ultimately. You know what is interesting? Jesus came different than anyone else who had come before him in biblical history. And yet he took his place next to his people on the wall. And the same Jesus who was responsible like the high priest for being and building the starting and end point of our faith with the sheep gate so that you and I could be secure to finish our faith, Jesus came in as and through the sheep gate as the Lamb of God and then went out through the sheep gate again as a scapegoat for our sins, outside the city walls, rejected for our sins, dying on the cross and rose from the dead to secure the wall around us so that you and I could find our place on the wall and in God's kingdom. And we are all unified and and motivated regardless of where and who we are by what Jesus has built and done for us. It is the stuff and unity of our faith, but one more gate unifies us like no other gate. The east gate. You see, only one person comes through the east gate. It is only open to the king who has returned from victory. You and I in the structure and diversity of the church are not only unified at at the cross and the death of Jesus for our sins, but unified by the promised hope as we look over our shoulders at the east gate, as we live and work on it in the walls, that one day the east gate will swing wide open and the risen Lord Jesus will return through it. And at that point, to all of those who have faithfully been kept by the grace in his wall, who have faithfully been led by him to continue building their part of the world. And it will be for those who are in the belt, in the circle, in the walls of his love as one diverse and unified and loved people. And let me tell you, that will be a good day. Only because today, He has given us a good wall.